Hey everyone. As you know, I'm a huge fan of living a healthy lifestyle, including taking the right supplements. Collagen is one of my favorite supplements. It is the most abundant protein in the human body. As we grow older, we break it down faster than we can replace it. This loss affects our skin, nails, hair, muscles, joints, and tendons, bones, and gut, making us look and feel old. Totem Voss is a wellness company that created a collagen chew for a real-life person, the 78-year-old mother of the founder. As a result, the quality is unrivaled. Totem Voss chews contain equal part deep-sea Icelandic cod, domestic grass-fed beef, and organic chicken bone broth, along with companion ingredients such as vitamin C for full collagen synthesis. These varied sources address a greater range of collagen needs within the body. Their customers are reporting results with such problems as rosacea, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, degenerative disc disease, as well as improved hair, skin, and nails. Practitioners are finding the juice to be an effective tool in restoring gut health. You can find Totem Voss, that's T-O-T-U-M-V-O-S, at getchews.com. That's getchews.com. Use code DRDIVA, that's D-R-D-I-V-A, for an additional 10% off your first order. When mental, emotional, spiritual health is balanced, a condition like SIBO or candida or uh, a mold toxicity, the, these things can go into remission pretty quickly and effectively when the mental, emotional, spiritual health is balanced. If our sympathetic nervous system is activated and we're shutting down all the things that our gut does, it makes all of these things just much more difficult to treat and or come back. Hello, this is Dr. Deva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I have Dr. Peter Kozlowski with me. He is a functional medicine physician and uses a broad array of tools to find the source of the body's dysfunction. He takes the time to listen to his patient and plots their history on a timeline, considering what makes them unique and co-creating with them a truly individualized care plan. Currently, he works with patients online and in person via his Chicago, Illinois, and Bozeman, Montana-based offices. Dr. Kozlowski did his residency in family practice, started training in functional medicine as an intern. He trained in the clinic with leaders in the field, including Dr. Mark Hyman, Dr. Deepak Chopra, and Dr. Susan Bloom. His recently published book, Unfunk Your Gut, encapsulates his collaborative patient-first healthcare approach in true research-based conversational style. It offers a blend of medical insights and the experiential wisdom of his own healing journey through addiction recovery. Overall, Dr. Kaz inspires us off the net to seek and find real answers to what's going on with my health and empowers readers with practical strategies and delicious recipes to achieve true balance of body, mind, and spirit. His expertise is in gut health, but he also works daily with food sensitivities, hormone imbalances, detoxing from toxic chemicals such as heavy metals and mold, and most importantly, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Dr. Kaz, how are you today? I'm doing great. Um, it's hot here today in Montana, but uh, doing well. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. 
Yeah, I'm mean, really excited to to take a deep dive into your book and and talk about you know gut health, which is so dear to my heart and it's so important for the overall health and well being of an individual. And yeah. every guest that I have on here, you know, they've gotten to the point that they're at through a unique journey of their own. And I'd love to take a little bit of some time to talk about your own healing path and how you got to the point where you are now. Sure. Yeah, if you would have uh, told me when I started residency that I would be in functional medicine, I thought I would have told you you were crazy. I, I was very traditional minded and it took a major life event for me to become open minded. And for me, and this is what I talk a lot about in my book, is um, for me, my issue turned out to be alcohol. And I use that as a basically substance to escape myself. And I ended up uh, in treatment when I was an intern in residency. And so that was obviously a very humbling experience. And that allowed me to open my eyes. So my parents are both physicians. Like I came from a very traditional approach and mindset. And it was in going through rehab, as they call it. The biggest thing that I learned is that the rehab was not at all about the alcohol or drugs that people are having a problem with. It was about their mental, emotional, spiritual health and what causes you to use substances, right? And it could go much beyond alcohol or drugs. I mean, people have issues with food or gambling or other things. So there, there's all types of issues that people can have. Um, so for me, that was the eye opener was this, this whole focus on meditation, yoga, spirituality as the keys basically to work on that in order to get alcohol out of my own life. And so that, that experience was obviously a life-changing experience for me. And it just opened my mind to other ways to look at health, right? It, it, it took me out of just kind of like the traditional thinking. And when I went back to residency, when I, when I took six weeks off and when I went back to my internship, um, there was a doctor who was one of our attendings on service when we would do inpatient service. And he would start everyone on vitamin D and a multivitamin. And his name is Dr. Batra, and I'm still friends with him. And we used to make fun of him as residents because he was the only one that would put people on any kind of supplements. And so it was 2 a.m. one night on a uh, overnight call where I kind of just asked him, I was like, Dr. Batra, why are you weird? Why, why, do, you, <laughs> why do you do this? And he was like, I'm studying something called functional medicine. And he took me, sat me down and showed me the website. And so I signed up for a CME and uh, I went. And after the first hour of being there, I just couldn't look at medicine the same. For me, it was all taught from just like a anatomy, biochemistry level. So it all made sense. And I just, I couldn't argue with it. And when I was at the first conference, I it was definitely one of the youngest people there. And I had all these older doctors that were there that were cardiologists, ophthalmologists, surgeons. They were all telling me like my, my residency was in family practice, but they were all telling me, this is the future. This is what you need to do. And I, I couldn't really make sense of it. Um, but I was like, you know, I'm going to keep looking into this. And that was during residency. My, my, 
program let me do some away rotations with some of the leaders in the field. And I just kind of followed them around soaking up all the information like a sponge. I, I still have my notes from those days. Um, so that, that's where I kind of learned how to actually apply functional medicine. And then I've been off on my own for seven years now. Yeah. And then specifically, I mean, did you have a lot of gut issues with uh, the alcohol that you were in, ingesting? Was this something that was necessary to heal to really improve your overall health? I mean, I, I feel like I got lucky in that regard that I didn't have overwhelming gut issues personally. I mean, there was definitely some damage, but it wasn't severe. And, and I think that's a key point about gut health is that it is always, I mean, it is reversible, um, that it can be addressed and it's not that difficult to do. I would say what kind of connected me more, I mean, everything in functional medicine is about gut health, but I think where my recovery and functional medicine overlapped, and this is the point that I make in my book, is I could take 10 people that I'm treating for SIBO or candida or dysbiosis and give them the same treatment plan, but half get better and half don't. And me as a perfectionist, I only think about the people that don't get better. And, and so I just kind of have continued to dive into that. And what I've discovered over the years is that mental, emotional, spiritual health is the key to gut health. That was the difference in my patients. And to me, it usually for most of us starts as trauma when we're children and I have a much looser definition of trauma. To me, trauma is anything less than nurturing. And so most of us experience trauma and our gut is lined with a nervous system called the enteric nervous system. And it, it is connected to your brain by the vagus nerve. So your gut and brain are constantly talking. And when you're autonomic nervous system is running in its sympathetic response, your fight or flight response, you are shutting down your stomach acid production. You are shutting down your probiotics from growing. On stool analysis, which is one of the main ways we look at the gut, I can actually see how stressed out someone is based on their microbial pattern. So, you know, my own day-to-day -day recovery again, it had me focused on personally mental, emotional, spiritual health. And then I just see it over and over in my patients that, and, it, and it's hard. I mean, I, people that come into my office are willing to do any diet, take any supplement, like do, I mean, just make all the changes. But when I ask them or encourage them to dig deep into the mental, emotional, spiritual health, there's usually a big stop sign and, and they usually are not happy with me. But that's, to me, where I've seen the, the magic happen. And that's, I think, how my story of recovery relates to how I ended up in functional medicine. Mm -hmm. So for yourself and for your patients that come in, and you probably have a keen eye to this by now, how do you not only diagnose that there's an emotional and spiritual imbalance, but then how do you tell that to the patients so that they are willing to go to the next step and treat that issue? I don't know if I've perfected that art yet. Um, a lot of times when I get done with my spiel, patients will be like, so you're telling me I'm crazy. <laughs> and uh, my answer is yes, but I personally think we're all crazy and it's just whether we're working on it or not. 
So I always try to encourage people to, to not take it personally that uh, that's just my views and my experience. But um, before someone comes in to meet me, they fill out 40 pages of intake paperwork. And so I spend quite a bit of time before the visit getting into that. And, and so I have a pretty good idea of the person that's coming in to see me. During the visit is usually when it comes out. I mean, and, and there's, I think it's that it's from my own personal story. I mean, I was someone that that helps me identify and see it in other people. I mean, when I went into treatment, I thought I had the world figured out. I was like an extremely egotistical person, very much in denial. So working on myself, then working with other people like in recovery, I feel like I can kind of start to see some of those traits. And sometimes people in their intake paperwork will write down things that have happened them in their lives. And they're like, I don't have any trauma. And I'm like, this is trauma. This is real. Like my, my trauma personally as a kid that I created myself was just being a first generation American. My, my parents are from Poland and I just never felt good enough. I was completely insecure in my own body, even though I, my parents gave me everything. I had a very good life growing up. So you would look at me and say, how did this person have trauma? But in my mind, I was never good enough. So that was traumatic for me. So to answer your question, I think it's a combination of the paperwork, but then it's our discussion and just the whole point of functional medicine is to plot out somebody's history on a timeline and try to identify what was an antecedent to disease, what triggered disease, and then what's keeping someone sick. So when we're going through someone's story, usually I can hear things like, oh, you know, kids that went through a divorce or, you know, there, there's so many light traumas that, can, that we wouldn't think are traumas that um, happen. It is difficult to tell people that. Like I said, I, I get a, frequently a look of disappointment um, that, you know, you're telling me that this is mostly my mental, emotional, spiritual health, and they were coming to me for just the right gut test or urine test or whatever. So there is often disappointment. But the thing that I always tell patients as well is my job is to make sure it's none of these physical things, right? My job is to help you figure out it's not food, it's not your gut health, it's not hormone imbalances, you don't have toxins built up. And the good news with that stuff is that there's reliable testing. So I can test for all of those things and I don't have to guess. So we can test for that stuff, treat that stuff. And what I've seen is, is when mental, emotional, spiritual health is balanced, a condition like SIBO or candida or uh, a mold toxicity, the, these things can go into remission pretty quickly and effectively when the mental, emotional, spiritual health is balanced. If our sympathetic nervous system is activated and we're shutting down all the things that our gut does, it makes all of these things just much more difficult to treat and or come back. Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical ebooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. 
You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctortopatient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. We need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. In your approach to treating folks, obviously yeah. you take a holistic perspective, mind, body, spirit. And so let's just go into a little bit about discussing gut health, you mm -hmm. know, and, and just talk about some basics, because I think it's really important as this is the foundation of functional medicine, as you yeah. alluded to before. And in my mind, you know, resolving gut health is the first step in terms of achieving overall well-being. So let's talk a little bit about the basics, like what is gut health? Why is it so important? Yeah. You know, what compromises it? So I think to me, the funnest fact or the most interesting thing about the gut is that the inside of your gut tube is considered outside of your body. So the gut is a tube that starts with your mouth and ends with the anus and it runs through your body. And I describe it as having three major roles, digestion, absorption, and protection. Digestion is that we start chewing our food. That's the start of digestion. The food drops down our esophagus into our stomach. Our stomach releases hydrochloric acid to start breaking down protein. And then once that process is done, the food moves into the small intestine where the pancreas releases enzymes that help you finish off that digestive process. Absorption on the other side of the gut tube is the bloodstream. And I try to, I, I have a nice illustration in my book that kind of, I think makes this easy to look at. But so once the food has been digested, your small intestine is 20 feet long. It has 2000 square feet of absorptive surface. So the, how do we turn 20 feet into 2000? It's microvilli. So there, there's these finger-like projections that come out of your small intestine. And that is where the nutrients are being absorbed into your body. That the role of that, your gut lining is also to keep the toxins out. And so a lot of people have probably heard of the term leaky gut. And that's where that term leaky gut comes into play. So that, that gut lining that we have, it's a single layer of cells and those cells have junctions and those junctions can kind of open up a little bit to let nutrients in and they should close to keep toxins out. When you're dealing with chronic inflammation, those junctions stay wide open and anything that you put into your mouth can get into your body. So that is why the gut is the gateway to disease because once it's the a substance crosses across that gut barrier and into your blood, what's hanging out in your blood is your immune system. And your immune system is looking at the different foods, nutrients, and saying, this is good, or this is a toxin and it's bad, and I'm going to attack it. I'm going to get rid of it. Once the immune system attacks, now you've got inflammation and the inflammation can go anywhere. 
So that's why you could take 50 people with a gluten sensitivity and they all have different symptoms. And the same goes for any kind of chronic gut issue is it can present absolutely differently in, in everybody. So to me, and, and I, that might be a little bit difficult to understand, and that's where we have some nice illustrations in my book that can kind of, I, I mean, I'm a picture person, so I like to see things visually. Um, so that to me is arguably the most important role of the gut is just as the gateway into our body. The, the other main area that we focus on in functional medicine or with your gut is the microbiome. So all of us have three to five pounds of bacteria growing in our large intestine. So if you picture the large intestine as that tube, the inside of that tube is, is covered in bacteria. And when that bacteria is healthy, the, the kind of term that we use is probiotics. When that bacteria is imbalanced, the term we use is dysbiosis. And my favorite analogy for thinking about your own microbiome is that it is like your own garden. And in that analogy, the plants of your garden are your probiotics. The fertilizer of your garden is prebiotics, and that's the food for your probiotics. And then what happens in a garden when you don't take care of it is weeds can grow. And that's what dysbiosis is. And that's what can create inflammation, release toxins into the body, and end up as disease. So that's, that's a key point about the gut bacteria is that they are alive. We have to feed them. And they eat basically fibers and sugars. In, in the Western culture, we don't eat enough fiber. And so those bacteria starve and die. And it's just like us. If we didn't feed ourselves, we would die eventually. So if we're not feeding our gut bacteria, we have to feed them daily. They, they don't survive. So the microbiome, that's the key. And then we as humans have about 23,000 genes. They've found over 22 million bacterial genes in our gut. And these bacteria are constantly talking to us. So they, they are sending signals that are either positive or inflammatory. So they can help keep us healthy or they can help inflame us. And the more dysbiotic your bacteria are, the more inflamed you can get. I think a, a, one more key point to understand about the microbiome is how do we get it? Like how, do, how does it develop? And then how do we screw it up? And I basically say that if you're alive in 2021, that's a risk factor for having gut issues. Our gut is extremely sensitive to our environment and our environment is more and more toxic every year. And a microbiome starts during a vaginal delivery. So a microbiome, when you're born and when you pass through the vaginal canal, you, the infant picks up good bacteria. Stool testing, like I said, is one of the main ways we test your microbiome. So they've done stool studies on babies that were born by C-section. When you're C-section, you don't go through the vaginal canal. You go straight out of the belly into the delivery nurse's gloves. In stool testing on uh, infants born that way, they've found the same bacteria that's in the hospital that's on the delivery nurse's gloves. And that's one out of every three people nowadays. Um, 
so that that's our first risk is just your birth history. Women are getting a lot of antibiotics during deliveries. If they're getting antibiotics, that's killing off their vaginal flora. So even if you were a vaginal delivery, you didn't get the good bacteria. Then it's breast milk. Breast milk, I think to me, the most as being a gut doctor, the most important parts of breast milk are that it's full of pre and probiotics. And so that's what really kind of feeds our microbiome and gets it going. After that, it's our lifestyle. It's dependent on our diets. It's dependent on the amount of stress and trauma that you have. And if you eat a diet that has pre and probiotics in it every day, then you're going to grow healthy bacteria. If you are eating processed foods, fast foods, there's no bacteria in those foods and there's no nutrients to feed what you do have. Then probably I, I would think the biggest risk for our microbiomes is antibiotics. Antibiotics, what are they? They're tablets that were designed to kill bacteria. Where do we put them? In a tube that has five pounds of bacteria, right? Most, most antibiotics are oral. So taking one course of antibiotics ever can wipe out one third to one half of your microbiome. And it's rare to find people who have never been on an antibiotic, right? And using that garden analogy, let's say you did just take a course of antibiotics. Your garden is now half empty. It's completely depleted. Well, there is all this like fertile soil or land for things to grow. We're being exposed to different bacteria, viruses, parasites, all that stuff all day long. Um, Candida is a good one. Uh, It's a yeast that can overgrow your gut that is very opportunistic. It likes an environment where your immune system is suppressed and there's lots of sugar. So let's say you took a course of antibiotics, your garden is half empty, and then you've got a little bit of candida growing already. Well, now there's more room for it to grow. And then let's say you're stressed out and you don't know it. If you're stressed out and you don't know it, your cortisol is elevated. Cortisol does candida's two favorite things, suppress your immune system and cause sugar to be released. Right? So now you've got this nasty cycle where the candida can really take over. And that can go for other bacteria or parasites. So that, to me, those, if I can pick out just the two, and there's obviously a lot more, but if I could pick out the two most important functions or roles of the gut that a lot of people are not aware of, it is that it is a gateway into our body. And that also we have this microbiome growing inside of us that we need to take care of and nurture. Yeah, thank you for that awesome explanation and and overview. Um, What comes to mind is, you know, there's so many extrinsic factors that can influence our gut health. Mm -hmm. Can you give us some examples of some of these environmental factors and anything else that can contribute to or compromise our gut health? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the two big ones that we talked about, mental, emotional, spiritual health, um, antibiotics, but then uh, some of your very commonly prescribed traditional medications, just an over-the-counter ibuprofen, antidepressants, acid blockers. Those are some of the kind of, in the group of the most prescribed medications out there, and they are extremely damaging to your gut. 
another major thing is just our diets and just the the sugars, the the toxins, the added chemicals, the herbicides, pesticides, all those things in our food that those are toxins and they are designed to kill bacteria, a lot of them, and your gut is full of bacteria. So ingesting those kind of foods can really be damaging. And then also some of the like environmental toxins like lead, mercury, cesium, thallium are some of the most common metals that I find in people. But then also mold mycotoxins. And that, that's a, beyond gut health, that's the most common thing that I work with is detoxing people with, from mold. And any kind of those toxins can be damaging to your gut. Um, so social media can be damaging to your gut, the internet, breaking news, like all of that stuff. If it triggers a sympathetic response, that's going to affect your gut bacteria. Anything that we're putting in our body, whether we know it or not, our, you know, just our drinking water can have chemicals and toxins in it that are damaging. So it's pretty much anything. Well, and that's what I was about to say is that, you know, we as part of this Western society are influenced by so many things that can damage and compromise your gut. So how do you educate an individual so that they can prevent issues downstream, you know, or you can treat them in, an, in a way where you're addressing their lifestyle? Because that's what it really boils down to is, right. is really changing their lifestyle. And I've had this particular issue um, with my own health when I was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma five years, six years ago now. And if I had looked at myself and looked at my body well before the point of diagnosis, I could have definitely given you signs that my gut was compromised. I mean, you could tell by looking at the stool caliber, you could tell by, you know, just the bloating that I was constantly feeling all the time. And, you know, I was having I was having a lot of flatulence and just bowel, you know, irregularities. So those are the first signs for me. And not to mention, you know, that was signs that were I was I was definitely having compromised uh, a compromised gut. But the issue was was that I didn't see this. I didn't know this. Even though I was a physician, I was just well, just not even aware because I was so focused on what I was doing with work and so stressed out. Of course, the stress was another issue. Why I was compromising my gut too. So and these are things that people face daily. And, you know, a lot of folks come to me and they're like, you know, what, how do I know if I have a, a compromised gut or not? And first thing I tell them, I say, Hey, you know, look at, look at the toilet bowl after you finish using the bathroom, you know, look at the caliber of your stool. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's, I can give you a diagram that you can take a look on the internet and see if your stool matches up to one of these uh, classifications. And, you know, I think that's the first telling t- sign of a compromised gut. Yeah. And, but it's like, you, you probably can take 10 people, you know, randomly that are in the United States. And I would imagine almost every one of them has a compromised gut. And it's yeah. sad. It's, it's like, so what do we do as a society here? Yeah, that is a difficult question. I think that the, it can be extremely overwhelming, right? And just thinking about it. And that, that's one of the worst things you can do for your gut is get overwhelmed. So I, in my book, kind of over and over, I try to keep things simple. And the simplest way to address your gut without any kind of testing to me is an elimination diet. And so what we're looking for in an elimination diet is food sensitivities. 
which is different than food allergies, different than celiac disease. These are different types of immune responses that our body can have to food. So when you have an allergy, it is an IgE response. When you have celiac disease, it's an IgA response. And when you have sensitivities, it's an IgG response. These are our chronic antibodies. What makes sensitivities so dangerous is that they are delayed hours to days after eating the food. So I could eat yogurt every morning for breakfast and feel fine but I have chronic depression, I have chronic joint pain, I have chronic eczema, and I have no clue that it's my morning yogurt because I feel fine afterwards. Now, another problem with food sensitivities is that the testing is not reliable in my opinion. So the only way to do it is to, to diagnose yourself using an elimination diet. And that is 21 days of cutting out the most common offender foods, which I'll list some of them and um, then reintroducing them one by one. And so that, that's a proper elimination diet. I think the most important thing, at least as a scientist, is to understand why is it 21 days? It's because everything in our body has a half-life. So whether you use alcohol or take prescription meds or your hormones, toxins, they all have different half-lives. The half-life of IgG antibodies is about 21 days. So let's say I had that yogurt this morning and I have a hundred antibodies floating around against yogurt or against dairy, excuse me. And if I don't have any dairy for the next 21 days, my immune response is going to drop in half. When I eat it again on day 22, my immune system, if it remembers the food as an invader, it will attack and there will be symptoms. So what you use is, the tra is a tracking journal and when you're due, when you're identifying foods, so you cut out the 12 foods, which the top five offenders are gluten, dairy, soy, corn, eggs, sugar uh, would be, I guess, the top six. You cut these and we give the, I give the full list in my book and the tracking journals in there as well. But you, when you reintroduce a food, you might get symptoms that you normally don't even have. So if migraines aren't normal for you, you might get a migraine. You could get a bloated stomach, diarrhea, et cetera. So to me, that, that is the first step in trying to address your gut. Because if you're eating a food that your body's reacting to, that's going to be very damaging to your gut and to the rest of your body. And that is something that, that someone can do just with the aid of my book without any testing. And you can start... I mean, I've seen so many people over the years that that's enough, that just getting rid of the food sensitivities that they didn't know they had can clear up their chronic issues. I mean, unfortunately, that's not everybody, but that is a huge start. And so I think that that is a, a great way that people could start in, in addressing their gut. Um, one of the biggest problems I see personally is SIBO, small intestine bacteria overgrowth. I talked about your microbiome earlier that is your gut bacteria growing in your large intestine. Well, due to chronic digestion issues, slow motility, low stomach acid, pancreatic uh, dysfunction, diabetes, your microbiome can start to migrate into your small intestine. 
And that's exactly what SIBO is. And in that case, it doesn't matter whether the bacteria are good or bad, they're just in the wrong place. And whenever you eat, they eat. And that, that is happening in the small intestine, which is where you have your 2,000 square feet for absorption. So what should be going on is digestion and absorption in your small intestine. If you have SIBO, you're just getting fermentation of the, the food that you're eating. And that creates really nasty inflammation. One of the worst things you can do for SIBO is eat a very healthy diet. Right, So someone that has unknown SIBO that starts an elimination diet, all of a sudden they're eating a lot more fibers, pre and probiotics, foods that are feeding the bacteria. So they actually could feel worse. So what, what we introduce in my, in my book, Unfunk Your Gut, is that what we call the COS plan, which is a elimination diet mixed with a low FODMAP diet. FODMAPs are highly fermentable foods, the, basically the favorite foods of your bacteria. And by eliminating the food sensitivities and the low FODMAP foods at one time, which we give you a bunch of recipes for, you can kind of address both conditions. And now you've really got a head start because I've seen a number of people where SIBO can go away just through cutting out the foods that feed it. Um, another issue with SIBO is, so besides like eating a healthier diet can make you worse. Another thing is if you tell your friends that you have a gut issue, a lot of them will say, take a probiotic. A probiotic, if you have SIBO, could actually make you worse, right? Because the point of a probiotic is to grow more bacteria in your gut. That's the last thing that you want if your small intestine is overgrown with bacteria. And so that's another thing where I've had people just stop their probiotic and they'll email me a week later. I just had someone yesterday that they're like, I feel so much better. And it, it's, that's, I mean, that's why I wanted to put this information out there in my book is because to me, it's an easy thing to address, but our kind of traditional thinking out there about gut health can really be backwards when it comes to a condition like SIBO. And so in, an, in a gut that has SIBO, that is always the first thing that I want to address. So that is always the, if, if I suspect someone has SIBO, then I'm ordering the testing, which is a two hour breath test. You are measuring fermentation. So you're measuring, measuring hydrogen and methane gases. You drink a little solution of lactulose, which is a sugar and then you blow into a balloon every 20 minutes for two hours. In that first two hours, the lactulose passes from your mouth, esophagus, stomach, small intestine. It doesn't get to your large intestine, so it shouldn't, it's, unless you have an extremely fast transit time, but it shouldn't. And you should not have any gut bacteria in those parts of your gut. So if you start blowing out gas, that means the bacteria have migrated up and there's fermentation and you have SIBO. So that's, I think, an important point that I tried to put out there is just that it is an extremely common condition. Another big problem with SIBO is that the majority of people that have it have gut symptoms, right? So then in that case, it's easier and it's usually bloating, abdominal pain. Uh, 
It can be frequently uh, associated with uh, severe constipation, but also it can be with diarrhea. So you're kind of classic gut symptoms. But what I've experienced over the years from working with different people is that I've had a number of patients over the years that don't have any GI symptoms at all, that their SIBO is presenting as headaches or a rash or another kind of skin issue. So I, I, one of the ones that sticks out too, that stick out the most is I had a young guy who had rectal itching. That was his only symptom. And we treated the SIBO. I, I don't know. I think I was kind of stuck. So I was like, well, why don't we test you for SIBO? And we, we tested, we found it, we treated, and his issue went away. Another woman who had chronic canker sores and we, same situation. I tried some different testing, couldn't get anywhere. She didn't have any gut issues. So I didn't really technically have a reason to test her for SIBO, but I was like, you know, we're desperate. Let's try it. Found it, treated it, and the canker sores went away. So, and that's all, I, I, I think that's all because of just the gut barrier, the gut being the gateway into your body. So if you have SIBO, then that's just a gateway of inflammation into your body, and then it can kind of present anywhere. So that is great, I think, starting points. And I, I go through a more detailed list of the symptoms in my book, and I kind of give people um, a little outline of, you know, should you just start with an elimination diet? Should you start with just a low FODMAP diet, or should you combine the two and do them together? And I, a big thing for me is, again, being a mental, emotional, spiritual person is, is also, that's a conversation I like to have with people is like, does this feel too overwhelming for you? Right. And if it does, then let's start with whatever you're comfortable with. Because if someone, what I've seen a lot too, is just the amount of stress that quote unquote healthy diets cause people ends up being worse than the, the actual, like a poor diet, right? So if you're totally stressed out about following the perfect diet, that's also not a healthy situation. And in that case, it doesn't matter if your diet's great or not, it's, it's not going to be effective. So I really try to encourage people to meet them where they're at, right? What are you ready to change? What are you ready to do? And then I kind of try to give an outline of what your options are. And those are ways that someone can just do it at home on their own. And, and a lot of people in doing that would never end up needing to go see a, a doctor to get tested because they just improve. And if they come into my office, then we are testing for SIBO if we suspect it through the breath testing, stool analysis um, to look at the microbiome, to look at digestion, to look at how inflamed the gut is. And then organic acids testing is urine testing, is, which is the best way to find candida along with a, a number of other issues. And how important are these diagnostic tools? I mean, I guess you really only are going that route if your clinical suspicion isn't met. And, you know, for example, if these people are having rashes and you just can't figure out if it's an issue with their gut or some other dermatological issue, then I would assume that's when you implement these diagnostic tests. But in your, in your um, 
your time that you spent evaluating clients and your history and your expertise, how would you rank these deleterious effects that can compromise the gut? And there's so many. You know, mm-hmm. if a person is going to be like, I'm going to avoid this because this is probably the most contributing factor to poor gut health. Like, what would you say would be the most important thing? People don't love this answer, but I would say it's your mental, emotional, spiritual health. Yeah, I figured that's where you're There's going. There's no question. <laughs> yeah. if, if, if you get that under control, then it's easier to change your diet, right? It's easy. Everything becomes easier. And, and I mean, I, I talk about it so much because I, I mean, I experienced it myself, uh, just what a change it made in my life. And it's, I mean, it's an easy thing to do, but it's also the most difficult thing to do. Right. And me as a checklist person, like, I mean, I've done, I make checklists and I, uh, cross, I do, I, I do the work and then I cross things off. When I try to do that with my recovery, that was a disaster. Like it, it, mental, emotional, spiritual health is something that I have to work on every minute, every hour, every day. It's a decision I have to make. Um, and that that's amazing because it's sort of in my control every day, but our general society is just not conducive to that, right? It's respond to your text messages as soon as possible, respond to your emails, what kind of uh, tr- trauma or, or uh, breaking news is happening in the news. There's, there's a new crisis all the time. And um, so it is to me the easiest, but the most difficult part to address. The cleaning up the diet, testing for SIBO, candida, stool analysis, like I said, to me, I think that stuff is pretty easy. So that would be, to me, number one. Number two would be food and just eliminating food sensitivities. Right. And then what is your approach when you're trying to counsel folks uh, in regards to their emotional, mental, and spiritual health? Are you talking to them about meditation, sleep hygiene, you know, things of that nature? Absolutely. Um, So... I always talk about the things that work for me, um, which exercise every day. I, my mental health goes down the drain if I don't move around or if I have an injury. That's a huge one for me is movement. Um, I like sports and going to the gym. In the last year and a half, I learned how to work out at home, which I never thought I'd do. But that, that, that's a big one for me. I try to get every patient that's working with me to also be working with a therapist. So that's an encouragement that I make to to everybody that I meet. A lot of people are reluctant, but for most of us, it's not, the stuff is not evident. Like most of us don't have like a, a history of, you know, we experienced war or something like that, something that's identifiable. For most of us, it's something that we need to dig into and, and get to the bottom of. And that's where someone that's a professional in the, you know, that that's what they help you do. Uh, our patients that are doing the best are the ones that follow through on that recommendation. Specifically for someone with trauma. EMDR therapy has been amazing. It's a way to basically treat trauma without really talking about it. So I found that to be extremely effective. 
Um, meditation, the, the biggest struggle I see with meditation is, is that people quit. They give up because they're like, I'm not good at it. My mind was all over the place. A story I always tell is when I did work at uh, Dr. Chopra's center, I talked with him about meditation and he said that he even struggles some days. There are some days where his mind's all over the place and he's like the guru of it. So how could he struggle with it? I mean, that made me feel better about me struggling with it. And as long as you're in that space, you're getting the health benefits. And it is to me just like a muscle. So if I don't go to the gym for a while, I'm going to be weaker. If I don't meditate for a while, I'm going to be less focused and less in my breath and more thinking about all the things that I run through my head. So it's an exercise and it, and it improves. You'll have good days. You have bad days. Just don't give up. Um, I really have gotten into the app called Calm. There's thousands of meditations on there. You can pick anything. Um, but there's so many different types of meditation. So that's another thing where what works for me might not work for you. Just like my therapist might not. I mean, I love my therapist, but you might see her and not like her, right? So you got to find that fit and not give up. Um, I do a gratitude list every day with my wife. We do three things that we're grateful for every day. I believe in prayer. I pray uh, every day, sometimes throughout the day. So those are some of the major modalities that work for me, but there's so many more out there. And, and so it's, to me, it's just exploring what works for you. And the first step is just acceptance to accept that this could be contributing to my uh, gut issues or my chronic disease or whatever. And once you can accept it, then it's a lot easier to deal with it. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, people are coming to you for gut health, but they're getting a, a bunch of information and tools to address their overall mental and spiritual and emotional health, which is needed. But it's it's challenging in this society that we live in because everyone's looking for a simple fix and a quick fix. Yeah. And the stuff that we are talking about, it takes some time and dedication b- before you can see the results and to actually cure the ailment that you're coming in with. So it's it's definitely challenging. And, and, I, and I think in most Western medicine practices, it's all about here's a pill, you know, here's a prescription, which is really actually, you know, can actually be worse in some situations. Right. So I, I think there should be more messaging that's out in the public's eye. In regards to you know how we treat the overall health and well-being of an individual, it's really not about a simple fix, and it's more about you know going into these methods and teaching people that it's all about calming their nervous system. You know, and and by doing so, that really is the best thing that could correspond and correlate with a, a better person in terms of their overall health. And Absolutely, that's been my messaging for my own personal health and well-being, and um, I try to teach people. Simple things like breath work and, and breathing exercises. That, that sometimes, as you said before, meditation. A lot of people who try it, they just they literally back out because it's so difficult for them, and they don't just see the benefits of it. Whereas I find breath work, you know, doing some sort of breathing exercises, it doesn't have to be something where it's done in a stretch of time, fifteen minutes at a time, or twenty minutes at a time. You could break it up two to three minutes, five, six times a day, 
you know, in an elevator, going to your par- car from home or from, from work, you know, in the car itself. So I like to tell people about these types of options because it's, it's, it seems to be more palatable because it's easier to do. And people can feel the results of the calming breath work. And especially if they're doing it correctly. And I, I always have to educate people that they want to be able to breathe from their diaphragm and not their chest. They're breathing from their chest and they're doing the exercises. They're just reinforcing their sympathetic nervous system. So it's counterproductive. But yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's, it's amazing. Um, this, is, this is an art form in communicating to folks. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure a lot of people who come to you, you, know, you have a reputation so people know they have to work when they come to, come to see you as a practitioner. So it's not about getting a prescription and see me in, in a month. So I applaud you and your efforts. And uh, this is how I feel medicine should be practiced. Thank you so much. And I'd love for you to give us some more information about yourself and where people can find you and then where can people purchase your book? Sure. Um, so best way to find me is either on my website or social media. Uh, website is doc, D-O-C dash K-O-Z dot com, doc cause. Uh, Instagram is the same, doc underscore cause. And then Facebook is just Peter Kozlowski, MD. My assistant, Jasmine, for people that have questions, she is uh, amazing and fantastic. So her number is on our website and you can reach out to her that way. Those are the best ways to reach out to us. Now that I wrote my book, I'm really encouraging people. That is a much more effective way to get started in your journey. I mean, some people want to start with me right away, but my years of knowledge I've put into that, that book and it can really get people quite a far way along the road. And it's unfunk with a C. So that, that's unfunk your gut and the funk is for functional medicine. But that I think, you know, getting into the elimination diet, low FODMAP diet, SIBO, all of that stuff, the photos of the gut or the, the illustrations, all of that stuff is in there. So I, to me, that's a great start. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me. And uh, I appreciate the time and all the information that you're able to convey to us. So thanks so much. It's an honor. Thank you very much for having me. 